morning. Welcome to worship this morning. At request of our brother, will ask us to read um, first chapter of St. John, the first 14 verses. <clears throat> We're thankful for the hymns that we sung this morning. One, there's to God be the glory, great things he hath done. And also the fact of that he is worthy to receive our praise and our adoration. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So I was reading over that, it was made to think, you know, how many times do we <clears throat> look at the beginning of Christ as the time of his nativity? But here we're told it went back a whole lot further than that. It's back in the beginning. It says all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Are we thankful for that this morning? That God in his, just in his wisdom, the things that he has created, everything is, that we see um, in creation today, it was all uh, made by Christ back at the beginning of, of the earth. Also, he mentions... Um, verse 10 he was in the world the world was made by him the world knew him not he came into his own and his own received him not then the blessedness of verse 12 but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name 
God didn't leave us without, without hope in a world that was fallen, a world that um, disowned their creator, but he gave us hope through the um, blessedness of his uh, dear son. I'd like to come before him in prayer this morning. Before we do, we'd like to take prayer requests. Brother Jonathan, I'll ask you to pray. If, um, <coughs> any? The youth retreat in Colorado. Okay. Cheryl? Jeff and Betsy's family. That's <coughs> loss of their mother and that wife. Sorry? VBS. Okay. It's coming up here soon. Um, God's will might be done there. Okay. Jonathan?
Good morning in the name of the Lord. Welcome to worship. He is worthy of all honor, worship, and praise. I'd like for us just to, just to take a moment and think about how blessed we are. You know, the, the word says that just wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. And what greater blessing, or where could you go with a greater privilege this morning than to be collected together with believers in the presence of the Lord, to worship the Lord, and to be taught of the Lord from his truth. I, I don't think there's any greater blessing this side of glory than that myself. And we're allowed to do that over and over again. You know, I don't think there's ever been a place in the world like there's been for us in the country we live in in our lifetime and generations before. And we don't want to take that for granted because I don't think it will continue that way. I probably could use a little water up here. When our children were small, we went into a classroom and there was a poster there on the wall had a large cluster of leaves on a stem. They were covered with dewdrops. And on the underneath side of one of those leaves, from the point where the leaf connected to the stem of the plant, along the main vein clear to the extreme tip of the leaf, there was a colorful insect traveling that path. And then there was a caption at the bottom of the poster that read like this. There is but one path that is straight, and that is to seek truth and pursue it steadily. Now there's another blessing I want us to consider. Have you taken for granted the blessing? Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. That you have been raised in a home where you've been taught truth from the earliest time that you could remember it. A lot of a lot of children and a lot of people haven't had that blessing. Not only have you been taught truth, you know what truth is and you know who truth is. We've, uh, in our meditation, been studying the text from John 14, 6 where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. And we've uh, preached about Jesus the way, and our text this morning is going to be Jesus the truth. And for our title this morning, we've just 
borrowed a question that Pilate asked Jesus, just three words, what is truth? That seems to be a pretty elusive thing to people today. What is truth? I think it's pretty elementary and simple that the source of truth is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, His Word, and His teaching through His creation. And yet it is filled with extreme complexity. What is truth? I've got a question for you as we start this morning I'd like for you to think about. As you view the professing world of believers today, the church community at large, congregations in particular, families, individual believers, including me, Would you say that there is a greater possession of gospel truth in Jesus Christ, or would you say that there is a greater endorsement to relative truth and circumstantial truth? You know, over 60 times in the four Gospels, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, as he the truth bore witness to the truth, so we want to look at how the truth teaches truth. The personage of truth teaches truth. In the book of John, I think there are over 20 times where Jesus uses the word not just verily, but he says, verily, verily, I say unto you. Now, all scripture is very important. All scripture is true. But when Jesus uses the words verily, verily, that is a double emphasis on a particular truth that Jesus wants us to remember. And so we're just going to probably let the book of John here be our outline today. When Brother Steve read to us these first 14 verses in John, you'll notice that the last verse that he read says that the word was made flesh and dwell among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That is Jesus Christ, 100% of the time, full of 100% grace, and at the same time, 100% truth. And Brother Bart talked about that this morning. That it's the 100% grace that teaches us the 100% truth. And probably this morning, the Lord has laid on our heart to probably talk more about the 100% truth 
than the 100% grace. It's already been mentioned about this weekend in the country that we live in. Tomorrow they are going to celebrate an independence. A day when the nation declared her freedom from another country. So I have another question. Is the United States of America free or is it in bondage? I would like to submit to you that freedom is not free. You know, Jesus told his people, he said, the truth would make them free. And there are two important points, I think, in that statement. One is freedom, and the other is being bound to something. In order for me to experience freedom, I must be bound to the truth, and he is the truth. I must be bound to the personage of Jesus Christ to experience true freedom. Well, let's... uh, as we, we think about the outline here that Jesus gave us, let's just go to the third chapter of this book, and we're going to pick up some verses with verily, verily in them. And you'll notice, and you all remember, that the setting of this chapter is Nicodemus coming to Jesus. He knew that Jesus was a teacher that was from God and that God was with him or he wouldn't have been able to do all the miracles he he was doing. And so he came to Jesus and this is what Jesus told him. We're going to start here in the third verse. We'll find a verily, verily. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. That's a truth. That's a truth that says verily, verily before it. I must be born again. If you'll notice again where Brother Steve read in the first chapter, it tells us a little about this birth. 13th verse. This is how we are born. Not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What's he saying here? I am not born again by natural descent. I am not born again by an effort of the flesh. I am not born again by a human decision. I am not born again by a blood sacrifice of the Old Testament. And I am not born again by the nature of Adam, but of God. By the grace of God, ye must be born again. Now, I can only teach this verse the way I understand it. And if you understand it differently than that, please don't be offended. You must be born again. Just pray the sinner's prayer wherever you are and be saved. Jesus did not say that. He said you must be born again. 
And again, I don't want to be offensive, but that's one reason why I'm not a lot in favor of high-pressured altar calls. You know, where the, where the song and the music gets louder and louder and faster and faster and emotions kick in. You must be born again. Well, Nicodemus didn't understand this. He said, how, how would a man who's older enter his mother's womb and be born again? Let's, let's get the next verily, verily here. Verse 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I must be born again by the power of God's Spirit in the Spirit. Unless the Holy Spirit does a work in the heart, you know what happens? Unregenerated men and women are taken into the church and there is a lot of confusion. Do you believe that? Do you see that? I must be born of the Spirit. When he, the Spirit of truth, is come into me, he will teach me and guide me in all truth. He and he alone has the power to convert the soul. And unless he does a work in my heart, I cannot see and I cannot enter into the kingdom of God because my heart, my soul, and my being has not been broken and converted. Ye must be born again. Well, let's stay in this chapter for a moment. There's another one here. Verse 11. Before we go there, we're going to comment on the verse before and the verse after. Nicodemus didn't understand these things and Jesus said to him you're a master of Israel and you don't know these things he said uh, if I have told you of earthly things and you don't believe how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things you know I think that answer is really pretty simple until the spirit works in my heart I can't believe the heavenly things because they are only believed and I only become a believer by faith. So he couldn't. Well, let's go to this verse 11. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak what we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. Jesus speaks the truth. He does the truth. He witnesses the truth, and he is the truth. That's what that verse is saying to me. And the context of this chapter from there on is God's lavish love for the souls of men wrapped up in giving us personal truth. Jesus Christ. I appreciated a point that was made last Sunday that Brother Bart made again this morning. 
And that is that the grace and the love of God will never compromise his truth and his judgment. I think that's something we need to really remember. The grace and the love of God will never compromise his truth and his judgment. Shirley and I have a vehicle that has a large compass readout in the dashboard. And you know that compass is set by a true north reading and all other direction is referenced from that true north setting. Jesus Christ is the center reference point of Moses, the law, the prophets, the gospels, and the epistles. And the Bible is the compass that points us to God's mercy, his grace, his holiness, his love, his righteousness, and his judgment, and that is in the truth of his son, Jesus Christ. Remove the Bible from a nation, from its schools, from its families, from the individual life. Or just simply disregard its truth and what is the result? A nation at large and many professors are far from the truth. The landmarks, the standards are so removed from secular society and much of the professing world that there's no recognizable mooring, no reference to true north anymore. You can see that. I don't need to tell you that. There's no reference to set the course by. There's just a lot of confusion. That's really nothing new. You know, Isaiah said it in his time like this. He said that there were those who called evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness, and to put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And he said, woe unto those people. You know, we live in a world where truth is relevant and circumstantial to a lot of people. And because of that, there is chaos, confusion, and a terrible, tangled mess. You know, I think about uh, Paul in one of his letters to the churches. He said, you know, it says, I, uh, I've got a great fear that just as the serpent beguiled Eve, he'll 
Corrupt your hearts from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. Do you think there's deception from the truth today? You think there's any in my heart? Any of our hearts? <clears throat> I'd just like to uh, encourage us, don't go to the world for answers. They don't have any. Continually go to the compass that points you true north. Keep going there over and over again. And I have this consolation and encouragement for you this morning. True north is still true north spiritually, and it always will be. It won't change. You can count on it. Jesus Christ and his word are eternal, absolute truth. We're going to go to chapter 5 now. And uh, the context of this chapter is that Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath day and um, he picked up his bed and walked and he probably walked right across some of the temple area at least where the Jews saw him on the Sabbath day and uh, they found fault with that. And so they, they found fault that Jesus would equate himself with his father and that he healed on the Sabbath day, and so they set out to kill him. That's the context here. And in verse 19, we're going to start and read a few verses here. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but he hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. The Son, and we're just going to summarize, we realize that every one of these verses that say verily, verily are a whole sermon in themselves. So we're very brief here. Just summarizing, the, again, the way I understand it, and if you understand it differently, praise the Lord, that's all right. 
The Son exemplifies the work of the Father. The Father commits to the Son, not healing only, but resurrection power, judgment, and authority. That's what we read in these verses. Not healing only, resurrection power, judgment, and authority. Jesus is to receive reverence and honor. Is he? Is he receiving that? You notice we read there that he that does not honor the Son doesn't honor the Father either. Is Jesus receiving the honor and the reverence that he should be receiving? Probably been 40 years ago, Shirley and I used to go down to the Keys in Florida during the winter time for a few weeks before we had children or before they were very old anyway. And I did a lot of fishing there with another brother and most of the time we went out into the ocean in the Gulf Stream and that's where we fished. But one day he wanted to fish out on the backside Florida Gulf and the area we were planning to fish was several miles from the marina where we started and we had to cross some shallow water to get to the fishing area and so there were a lot of channels through this shallow water he punched all the headings into his GPS and we headed out across there we'd probably run about 15-20 minutes I don't know, maybe 30, 35 mile an hour. And all of a sudden, you looked down and you were in shallow water and we were set to be marooned on a sandbar. And you know what happened? The setting on the GPS was just a little off from the true course that we were supposed to take. Now, I'm not trying to attack anyone here this morning, and I, again, I ask for your grace, but I have to give this warning this morning. You know, the Bible is being rewritten all the time through different translations. And in the process of that, there are scores of verses that has phrases left out of them or the context is altered from the original text. And many of these verses concern Jesus Christ, his deity, his virgin birth, the redemption process, his lordship, his fundamental teachings, and works. I have a question for you. Do you think that an evil spirit is trying to remove Jesus Christ from the Bible? 
I'll let you decide that. But I would say this, that we do know that when phrases and verses are left out of the Bible, it alters the truth. The truth is compromised. Often, just a little bit of a time to deceive men, even believers, me included. I'm not exempt from any of this this morning. This is something weighs heavy on my heart for my own walk with the Lord. So I have another question for you. In your mind is uh, oppression and persecution from without or is falsehood within the greater threat to the church? I'll say that again. Is persecution and oppression from without or falsehood within a greater threat to the church. How about me personally? Am I faithful to God? Or have I adjusted my faith in God and the truth of his word to fit my lifestyle? Yesterday... Shirley and I had grandchildren for the day and we took them out for the day. We're going down 75 into Dayton. And you know where you get to about uh, Stanley Avenue or somewhere in there, the speed limit goes from 65 to 55. And... Um, the traffic pretty much ignores that. They just keep right on a moving. We were traveling clear in the right-hand lane, but the traffic was moving pretty well through there. And uh, we had just gotten into that speed zone just a little bit. And my grandson in the back spoke up, and you know, I'd, I'd like to tell you this, they don't miss anything. They're watching you. He says, Grandpa, he said the speed limit is 55, not 65. And you know what I did immediately? I tried to justify why I was driving 65. I said, well, I don't want that driver in the car behind me to run over me because he was just about on my bumper. And I said the traffic flow is about 65 miles an hour. And for me to slow down 10 miles an hour would probably be more of a traffic hazard than driving 65. You know what? Just because everyone else was driving 65, for me to drive any faster than 55 was against the law, it was not the truth, and I was being disobedient. But I tried to justify myself. You know, we do that all the time, don't we? What is truth? I would just like to give us this encouragement this morning. 
Life is blessed. Your soul is blessed when your life aligns with the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Well, really, time's up. It's past 11.30 now. And we've just kind of barely got started here, but we can just quit anytime we want to. They'll still be here, these verily, verily verses, another time. I guess in uh, just a benediction to the truth, Jesus Christ being the way, the truth, and the life, I'd like to leave us with the some words from Peter. Seeing that ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and to unveined love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. All flesh is as grass. The glory of, the man, of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man will come to the Father but by me. I'm going to just ask all of us to stand as we have a closing prayer.